right, welcome back. Tuesday afternoon, Memorial Day weekend has come and gone. Hope everybody was safe. We took time to remember those that have made the ultimate sacrifice for us, served our country, and given their lives to protect us. And tell you what, uh, a lot of uh, sports to catch up on. Oh, my goodness gracious. Tons of stuff. Lots of baseball. Watched a lot of baseball last night. I'm upset with myself for giving up on the Pirates late yesterday. I am a Zach uh, Thompson fantasy owner. So when he pitched yesterday against the Dodgers, I was very interested. And then what happened? Well, he uh, got pulled in the sixth inning. So I figured, all right, you know what? I'll watch this to see if he gets the win. And then, of course, they blew it. And um, he was losing, uh, like the Pirates were losing late because the bullpen couldn't hold. And then I uh, called it a night. I figured out Dodgers have this wrapped up. And look what happened. Man, oh, man, Craig Kimbrell came in and blew it. Pirates won last night. That was the last game of the night last night. A lot of fun. Rangers are on to the Eastern Conference Finals. I can't believe it. Never in my wildest dreams that I ever imagined a team that kind of went into the playoffs with really nothing to lose, everything to gain, has gotten hot, get hot at the right time. This is what happened. So they got Tampa Bay. That's going to be fun. Uh, as will Edmonton and the Avalanche. That's going to be a blast. Two of the best players in the game going out in the Western Conference Finals, which begins tonight in the NHL. NBA Finals are now set with the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors, and we're loaded today. We've got a lot to cover on the show. Speaking of a team that had nothing to lose, everything to gain, the New Mexico State baseball program. They're in the NCAAs. They got into the NCAA tournament thanks to getting hot at the right time. That's also pretty impressive. Uh, didn't see that coming. We'll have Coach Kirby uh, joining us uh, coming up here on the show when we uh, get into our second segment in about 15 minutes from now. So uh, congrats to uh, Mike Kirby, the Aggie baseball team. Here's a team that wasn't even 500 this regular season, and they're in the NCAAs, out of the whack. Yeah, I loved uh, what Coach Kirby said after the game. They're, they posted this little Twitter video. Steve, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this, but uh, he kept going to the players, and he just said, why not us? Why not us? And and uh, I love the fact that he, he injects so much life in this team. Uh, you know, I, I'm just happy that they went this far, and the why not us mantra has really followed them uh, now here through this uh, baseball journey. Man, that's good. And, and you know what? Uh, it's a great story because I'll be the first to tell you I didn't expect it. I really didn't. I thought they were going to uh, you know, have an early exit. They just got in. They got in on the last weekend of the season as one of the last teams into the WAC tournament, and they ended up winning the whole thing. And they got great pitching. Goes to show you, Adrian, pitching wins championships in baseball. It really does. I mean, your offense is important, but when your pitching can bear down and shut down opponents the way they did, that's the key to everything. Key to success. Same thing with UTEP softball. You have good pitching, you're going to win. Your pitching gets lit up, it's going to be a rough season. And, you know, for whatever reason, it's difficult finding good pitching, whether it's baseball, softball, the college level, it is not easy. And look at the uh, look at the professional level, especially in the PCL. You don't get good pitching in AAA, uh, you're going to get knocked around like crazy. 
most definitely. And I also look at, you know, you just look at this team right now, the way that they kind of you know bonded together at this last stretch. I'm with you, though. You look at just uh, prospect lists or baseball draft lists and stuff like that, pitchers are always the top early rounds. They're always yep. the ones who are most sought after as far as prospects. So, yeah, the value of pitching is very high at the college level. I agree with you. Um, no doubt. By the way, um, speaking of baseball, spent Saturday night at the ballpark. Watch the Chihuahuas um, beat the heck out of uh, Sugarland. Oh my goodness gracious! They, they poured it on. We went out um, Santa Fe Pavilion thanks to the radio station. They had the night and uh, went out there, and um, it was windy as all get up. Whatever hair I had left was blowing up, and I didn't care. It didn't matter to me because we were watching baseball, having a good time, and. Um, I've never sat in the outfield. I always sit usually in our seats or some of the other areas. The first time I've ever been up there. And I liked how it's adjacent to, to the rooftop deck where you could just walk right in. And, you know, you've got all those things happening, all the games going on. You can order food, beverages right there. Had a chance to see Aaron Price, who was having a rare night off. And that was nice catching up with him. One of my favorites from the Price family. So Aaron was there Saturday and uh, good crowd. Fireworks were amazing. You've never. That's a great vantage point also. The fireworks are like exploding right in your face. That's also fun. And shout out to our 10U Select uh, head baseball coach, Dave McWaters, who barehanded an Adderlin Rodriguez home run ball and almost took his left hand off catching it Saturday night where the uh, Chihuahuas wanted that to be on the ESPN top 10 plays of the day. It didn't make it. But Dave made an unbelievable grab when he essentially just took that ball and caught it right out with no glove, just barehanded. See, when you can barehand catch uh, a home run ball like that, oh, oh man, Steve, that is, that's some hard work to do. That is deserving and warranted of getting on that top 10 list for SportsCenter. So I'm, I'm upset with SportsCenter for not getting him on that and recognizing him on that. But, Steve, you you lived to watch it. You, you saw it, and the Chihuahuas captured it as well. Yep. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and give a big shout-out to him as well for catching it barehanded. Have you ever done that? I've, no, I've never done no, that, no, that even that, close. That ball would take my hand off. That was, it was unbelievable. I mean, he even said it. It felt like, like I said, wow. that thing hurt. He goes, yeah, it hurt like a 7 out of 10. Now, you understand this, okay? Dave's a firefighter, came uh, from Australia to play baseball, and was a member of the Diablos when they were independent. Played for Butch Henry. Pitched for Butch Henry. Wow, that's really neat. Okay. So, yes. So, Dave is someone that's lived in El Paso a long time. Now he's coaching. His son and my son are the same age, so they're all on the same baseball team. And he was there, too. And, uh, yeah, barehanded grab. Very, very impressive. And um, it was nice, too. Uh, just watching him make that, uh, make that grab was, was a highlight. It was awesome. Man, that's, that's so cool. And and the fact that you guys got a chance to get out there Saturday, fireworks are perfect yep. out there. I mean, the only ba- bad thing was the the wind on Saturday. But Can't control the wind, man. No, you can't. I love that Santa Fe area, too. Just real quick commenting on that. When you're out there in the outfield, as soon as that sun goes down, it is perfect yep. out there in the outfield. Um, Listen, I say this a lot, and I mean it. Brad Taylor and company do an amazing job out there. They really do. They've got this thing down to a science. They've been doing it now for almost 10 years. And when you go to the ballpark, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just a good night. Good night for all. Drinks were good. Nice and cold. That was nice. Uh, the weather uh, you know, behaved itself a little bit later. Players were great. Very friendly. So all in all, just a good night at the ballpark. Good night.
That's all you can ask for. Memorial Day weekend, get a chance to uh, watch America's pastime. What, what more could you ask for there at the ballpark? Not much. Not much. It was perfect. Hey, by the way, um, so we got a lot to cover on the show today. So many, and we got a lot of guests coming on. A lot of guests. Mike Kirby's going to join us uh, coming up, uh, Coach Kirby, at, at 420. Talk about the Aggies. Five o'clock, we've got uh, other guests coming in. We are loaded today, Adrian. This is going to be just a busy, busy show here on Sports Talk today, which I like because Kevin Lovell is retiring after a thousand years at uh, KVIA. He's been there since, uh, you know, before cable started. So Kevin Lovell is going to come in. He's going to talk about his career at five. And then we've got three members of YouTube Athletics coming in in the 6 o'clock hour to talk about the 915 campaign. Why is the 915 campaign getting trashed by some people on social media? What is wrong with people? Seriously, what is wrong? They're upset with the logo. This, I don't get this, okay? Let me ask you something. When Aaron Jones scores a touchdown and he flashes the 915 on national television, Everybody gets goosebumps and gets excited. There's Showtime showing off the 915. Um, same thing for the great Khalid. When he is selling, uh, you know, selling out arenas and he's talking about the 915, everybody's excited. But when UTEP puts a campaign together surrounding the 915 and people are actually trashing it here locally, are you are you kidding me? I mean, what do you want? What do you want? want them to do honestly um you were looking at social media earlier i was in disbelief because i didn't even check this and you're saying man people are just ripping this apart what are they complaining about yeah it's interesting steve uh, i mean i know we got dave who tweeted us earlier that there are uh you know that they wanted better concepts as far as the illustration some people were upset as far as the the look i guess of the 915 i, I guess bottom line for all this uh, some people said like misael at wearing one said that he doesn't know about these uh the bottom line is i, I think that when it comes to you UTEP fans, you can unveil the nicest uh, logos, the coolest uniforms, uh, different marketing strategies, whatever. People will find a way to complain about it one way or another because uh, people here in El Paso, they, they find a way to complain about these things for whatever reason. I don't get it. I love the logo. I lo- I'll tell you what, my favorite logo of all of them, and there's a bunch of them, but I love the one that one shows. It's like a circle, and on the top half it says the 915 and then right on the bottom half, you have the UTEP in white and then the Franklin. That is a beautiful, beautiful logo. Like, that's a, that's a logo you should be proud of if you're from here, from El Paso. I, I don't get how people wouldn't want it to be known as the 915. I like it. it look, we're already using the 915. Aaron Jones uses the 915. And, and others have, have done the same thing. I mean, what do you want? You want them to say Chuco Town? I mean, really. I mean, we've done that already. We've got that going on already with um, with the Chihuahuas and others, and that's something that people have adopted. I mean, why wouldn't you want the 915? It's the only area code we have in El Paso. It's not like we've got two or three area codes. But we've got one, 915. Always been that way. I just, this one, I have a hard time with. I like the helmet, like the design, like the concept, like the $9.15 tickets, like the $91.50 season tickets. I mean, look, you want something affordable? They've made it affordable. You want something a little catchy? They're playing off the area code. Um, I like the, I, I just don't get what people, what beef people have with this. It's like, seriously, if UTEP came out with a statement that the sky was blue, people would be outraged. Say, no, it's not. It's not blue. What are you talking about? 
I mean, what do you want from the school? And this is not even being a UTEP apologist. This is just being common sense. They came out with something that's a little different, and they're they're trying to make it where it's catchy. They they rebranded the helmets. They incorporated the nine one five into the pick logo. Good for them. I like it. And the thing, Steve, is the football team is not going to wear this helmet every single weekend. People are acting like this is uh, you know changing the whole brand and logo and feel to UTEP, which isn't the case. No, it's I, not. You know, I was talking to head coach Dana Dimmel, uh, you know, before the everything got uh, uh, started today, and I was saying to him, "Hey, coach, you know, it'd be great if you got a chance to wear these area code helmets in other Texas areas, because if you take that over to Denton on your trip, you know, over there, or if you if you take it to the the Rice game when they're playing out in Houston, you're just taking the 915 brand and then showing it out to other cities and other people and also national television. So you got to think about all those things. So I think that there are a lot of advantages when it comes to this uh, initiative. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. And by the way, you're wearing some really cool boots courtesy of our buddies at uh, 1836 Boot Company. You've got some custom UTEP yes. boots right now. Yeah, you talked about yours a couple weeks ago, Steve. Uh, I got mine this weekend. How do I, they feel? Oh, they're, they're amazing. I, I love boots. I took a little hiatus off wearing boots for a little bit, but I'm back in action. 1836 Boot Company, they made me these custom UTEP boots. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, huge shout-out to, to Gabe over there and, and for what he was able to do. Uh, I was looking for just unique photos on social media today. I'm putting together a story for just fans who've gotten to Together, custom UTEP gear or apparel, you know, whether it's a gift or they made it themselves. So, if anybody has any, uh, you know, options or, or ideas, send it our way so we can put the, these uh, photos together. Good, excellent, excellent. All right, good stuff. Good start to the show. We got so much to get to. Three hours with you today. That's nice. We're back for a full three. Then we've got, I think, two and a half the rest of the week as uh, the Chihuahuas play in Salt Lake. So it's going to be a good show. Good week of sports talk. Right now, though, let's go to Charlie Wan. He's standing by traffic update number one and then we'll come back and we'll talk to uh, Mike Kirby and find out about uh, his team going to the NCAA baseball tournament next. Sports Talk continues 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back, everybody. As we continue here on Sports Talk, we jump right back to the 600 ESPN El Paso hotline and we say hello to this man. He is uh, the head coach of the New Mexico State uh, baseball team that uh, has won the WAC and will be uh, heading out uh, to Corvallis and uh, Oregon State uh, on Friday. Talking about uh, Coach uh, Mike Kirby of the Aggies. Coach, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm doing outstanding. How are you? Doing fine, thank you. Um, In all the years you've been in college ball, have you ever had a season like this going into a tournament for your conference where essentially you get in at the last possible uh, moment and then you run the table and win the whole thing? Um, well, I wouldn't say it was like that, but um, you never know what how the, how the field's going to play out. And uh, I think there's quite a few surprises um on the show and uh but i can remember being a, a top eight national seed and having to go play at lsu that sounds like fun uh right? that really does but i mean when you look at the way this team this team went all season long you had to go into your last weekend of the regular season in order to clinch a spot in the whack tournament correct 
That is correct. Yes. So, um, you know, some people were thinking, well, you know, the Aggies are are, are lucky to be even in the WAC tournament, and it's not going to mean much. And then all of a sudden, you knock off the top seed, then you knock off, I guess, the next best seed, and then you just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. Coach, it's an amazing run. And what I talked about before I brought you on was. Pitching can win championships, and you were able to get some of the best pitching you've had all season long when it mattered the most. Uh, that, for you as a head coach, has to be something that absolutely thrills you. Yeah, I was super fired up. It really uh, started back at uh, Utah Valley. We went to Utah Valley, um, just like you said, with uh, everything on the line to go to the WAC tournament, and we only had two starting pitchers and scored uh, six runs in the ninth inning or seven runs in the ninth inning to win the game. And that's when I was like, wow, I think the baseball gods may be on us. And like, like you said, the boys have been pounding the strike zone and feeding off one another. I think it's contagious. And uh, they were fabulous in the tournament. Yeah, they really were. And that was the thing was uh, it wasn't like these were close games either. You were winning them pretty well uh, in hand and, and taking care of business. And, um, you know, you said you saw it near the end of the year. I guess it just goes to show you the old adage is, is that, hey, if you're hot at the right time, anything can happen. Absolutely. And uh, my team is actually really good. Not that the record reflects that, but I had one starting pitcher for the majority of the year. And we're throwing bullpen arms and starting bullpen arms and had players go down. And now some guys are back healthy. And, um, you know, the guys have a really good confidence. And I have a good feeling going into this weekend. Man, uh, you know, that that probably is just adversity in itself when you really start to talk about that, Coach, is having really one starting pitcher for much of the season. How do you navigate things like that with one arm, and especially in a spot like this in the WAC cha- tournament where you got to play so many games over consecutive days? Well, I think the guys from that experience of, you know, bringing, you know, starting uh, relievers and having guys come earlier and, Maybe to stay out on the field a tick longer. You know, you should have been out of there maybe a batter ago. And I think all that stuff is paying off now because they've had a lot of experience. Some of them really good. Some of them getting smashed. You know, uh, I mean, baseball is a lot like life. It's not fair. You can throw a good pitch and they might smash it. Well, but you kept their head up, which is the most important thing, and kind of let this team know that even if things don't go well initially, there's still an opportunity to right the ship when it matters the most, and and that's really the the key. And and take for example, um, you know, you're looking at all the guys, and I'm just going to the to the pitchers here of some of the people that you know you were able to rely on and get great outings from. How about a sophomore like Pablo Cortez, uh, who was from Juarez, went to high school at Faith Christian Academy, but gave you one of the best starts, probably the best start of his life when it mattered most in the WAC tournament? Yeah, Pablo, was he's been awesome. Um, he's one of the guys I, I mentioned earlier when I was saying about the relievers or they're throwing more. Pablo, uh, great start. But when Pablo comes in out of the pen for four innings and he can shut anyone down in the country, his stuff is dirty. And he's one of the smartest um, players I've ever been around. Like he understands the game and the game of pitching and hitting at a high level. And uh, he was just awesome, man. He gave us everything that we needed. And, uh, you know, he'll be ready to go. He's pumped up. 
Now, uh, Ian Mejia was really your leader during the regular season on the mound. A redshirt sophomore from Tucson who who pitched well for you. Won six games during the regular season. Had an ERA just over four. And probably, Coach, uh, one of the most uh, consistent uh, arms uh, you had uh, during the year. Yeah, Ian's outstanding. He's uh, the leader of the pitching staff, both by, you know, work ethic and, you know, he's an unbelievable teammate. I see him helping uh, – the younger guys all the time. He's one of the hardest, if not the hardest working guy. Um, he's come a long way, extremely coachable. And, you know, it's finally just having fun. And, um, you know, I think a lot of hard work has paid off. I mean, that guy got in the weight room and he uh, can hold his stuff for a long time and has a feel for the strike zone with a number of pitches. And you're correct. He was our uh, most consistent all year. And, uh, yeah, he was, he's fun to watch pitch. Before I get to your hitters, uh, tell me some of the other pitchers that really stepped up in a big way for you down the stretch. Oh, well, there's a ton of them. You know, I mean, um, you, you were throwing out Pablo, um, Cade Swenson, who came in, who had a 12 ERA um, as a freshman. And that game, I had three starting freshmen playing. <laughs> and Cade, Cade uh, gets up on the bump and, you know, just starts um, saying, let's go. And it was cool to watch. He pounded the zone. And, you know, I expect big things from him uh, during his tenure here. And uh, he's been outstanding. Um, God, there's so many of them. Uh, for me, like, just, and I'm talking just lately, but, but, you know, if I go back and I say, oh, Lyle Hibbets, Lyle Hibbets right now, I give that guy the ball anytime. He's been outstanding. He's missing his pitch as well. Uh, yeah, uh, Alex Bustamante um, has been outstanding. Um, he, again, that's the guy who had one inning with pitching last year. And uh, so his early season uh, struggles were just because of the experiences, my opinion. Um, Sammy Natera has probably arguably made – he has the best stuff on the team, and he's only thrown the ball – he's only had six appearances, I think, maybe seven. That's it. That's 100%, 100% right. Now, Coach, as a team – your earn run average uh, was 6.69, and you had a, a whip of, of uh, 172. So given the regular season pitching and what you saw you know, down the stretch in the WAC tournament, I'll ask you, I mean, would you say this has to be, without a doubt, one of the more satisfying moments you had taking this team into the NCAA tournament, all things considered? Absolutely. Yeah, everybody's on cloud nine, and I mean, it's awesome for the whole community of Las Cruces because these people have big hearts and really come out and support us. And, you know, I just couldn't be happier for the guys. You know, they're supposed to come here, get their degree, learn some life lessons, learn a little baseball. And, uh, you know, that all that's happening. We had 17 guys graduate. and This is just the icing on the cake. It's awesome. Mike Kirby with us right now, head coach of the Aggies, as we continue here on Sports Talk 28 past the hour. All right, offensively speaking, you've got one guy that just has kind of stood out among everybody else. A lot of really good hitters this year that have been consistent for you all season, but you look at Logan Galena and what he's been able to do. Um, he's been mashing. 21 home runs, 62 RBIs, batting 333 for you behind the plate. Um, you know, let's start with him because he's been so good all season long. Yeah, Logan's beautiful. He doesn't try to complicate things. Extremely hard worker. Um, matter of fact, uh, I nominated Logan today for the Rawlings Gold Glove Award at first base. He has three errors. And he, he, I mean, he gets after it. So you can talk about his offense, which is awesome. I mean, you talk about an awesome player. I think he had 20 home runs and 
You know, he's just getting better and better. Again, those are those experiences. I told him, hey, when you get up here, buddy, they have scouting reports. You guys can execute pitches better. So until you can make some adjustments and see the ball at this point or whatever it is, it's different for every guy, and that's what Logan's done. Did he, and, ca- yep. um, did he catch it all this year, Coach, or did you keep him almost exclusively at first base? No, I've uh, I've kept him at first base. Uh, the catching position was mainly Cal Kilgore. He's a freshman out of Kansas, um, super athletic, was a safety in high school football. And, um, yeah, he's uh, – so uh, Cal had won the catching position, and Logan's bat was too valuable not to get in there. So I just threw him at first. And Coach Van Horn just set him up like a big dog as he's getting nominated for a Rawlings Gold Glove. It's been outstanding. That's so impressive, too. When you've got a guy that's really never played the position, shifts right in, and is that good, uh, you know, really on his first for his first extended use at that spot, uh, that, that, that tells you a lot about uh, really what kind of player Logan is. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the most important positions on the field. And I was a catcher, and they said, Oh, can you play first? I said, Sure, I can play first. I mean, how tough is it going to be? And the first ball was hit, and I reacted like I was going over to third. And then I didn't get back. So that position is hard. And he, and he, uh, to his credit, I mean, I mean, flipped over the rail the other day going for a ball. I mean, I don't know if anyone plays harder on my baseball team than that guy. Oh, that's awesome. All right, uh, more with Coach Kirby as we continue bottom of the hour. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Very much. Uh, we're back right now with uh, head coach Mike Kirby uh, from the New Mexico State Aggies. As we continue, they, uh, in case you uh, don't know and you missed it, they're going to be playing in the uh, Corvallis Regional along with uh, Oregon State, San Diego, and Vanderbilt Friday night. They'll go up against the Beavers, folks, and that's going to be the big one that uh, we're talking to uh, coach about right now. Uh, Batter wise, again, I mentioned it earlier, coach. A lot of consistency. It seems like your entire team was hitting about three hundred or better. Everybody's got about you know five to eight home runs. They all are knocking in about thirty runs. Uh, they all got a slugging of about five hundred. And the best part is they're all young. I mean, outside of Tommy Tabak, you've got guys that are all sophomores, freshmen, a few juniors. Which means you're going to have a lot of this team coming back. And what an experience it is to go to the NCAA's and realize that a group like this are, are, would all be back with you following uh, this season. Yeah, that's really cool stuff. And to the younger guys, I talk to them about their freshman class. Will you be the first class here that goes back-to-back to Omaha? I don't know. Will you win the national championship? But, the you know, the the groundwork has been set, and Coach Zuniga has done a fabulous job in the recruiting side of it. Um, I'm really excited about the class we have coming in from our position players to our pitchers. And um, I, I'm just uh, really excited on the direction where, where we're headed. Um, you know, like I said, our uh, record uh, doesn't reflect on what type of club that we have. No, true. Um, but still, a club that's done a lot of really good things for you and, and, and made things happen. By the way, you have a lot of experience at this next round. You've been there before. You've been to the College World Series. How do you take all of that uh, and your successes over the years and kind of help motivate a team that's essentially going to Corvallis with that same nothing-to-lose-everything-to-gain mentality? That's great because I immediately call my old bosses that are in the coaching hall of fame. <laughs> and I say, Hey man, um, what do I do next? 
And then I start remembering about the stuff that Augie Garrido would say. Hey, man, get out of the player's way. This is when they do their thing. All right? Well, let me have a staff meeting. Hey, man, stay out of these dudes' way. Give them information, but stay out of their way. And so that's pretty much what I've been doing. And, um, you know, my job uh, every single day is to talk to every kid on my team that I do. But, you know, like I said, giving them their space and, you know, just trying to have some fun. That's pretty impressive when you think about it, Coach, because you're staying out of the way of young underclassmen who essentially are learning on the job and figuring it out on their own. And sometimes you would think it'd be the exact opposite. You got to coach them up because they're so young and, uh, you know, they, they don't really have that maturity, but you're finding it the opposite. You're letting these guys grow up uh, and, and look how far they've come on their own. Absolutely. You know, we've been with these guys since. Uh august and september and if the infielders don't know what the fundamentals of catching a ground ball then coach van horn hasn't done his job these guys are they're all over it so right now they know all the stuff now i'm just going to give them some detailed information about our opponent and let them do their stuff and you know coach them coach them during the game like hey man i don't think uh this was a good decision and this is why what do you think and then that's it. Nobody's mad. I'm not a yelling, screaming coach. I'm not throwing stuff in the dugout. You know, I'm having fun and taking everything in. And, you know, I can tell you Cal Villarreal, my hottest, my hottest hitter, right? Um, in the tournament, uh, I went hit and run, and Cal missed the sign. Cal Kilgore gets thrown out. I look down at Cal. I'm not giving him a dirty look, throwing my palms up and showing him up. I look down at him and I not I lift my chin up and he points to himself and he said, "Is that my fault?" And I, I smiled and shook my head. And uh, Cal can, uh, proceeds to run a ten pitch at bat and hit a homer. Wow! As opposed to me throwing my palms up and doing that, and he had swung and missed. He was he was disappointing himself. He tried to hit a homer on the next pitch and missed the ball by three feet. And I walked down close to him. And I said, "Hey, buddy, you're fine." That's already over, you, but you got to get on this pitch. And that's when he started fouling stuff off, and then boom, boom. Pretty cool. Very cool. Pretty cool. Yep. So right now, staying out of their way and you know letting them enjoy the icing on the cake, and they're walking around with a big wad of cash because they're playing with house money. So I think they're feeling pretty good. Mike, have you had a chance to scout Oregon State yet? What can you tell us about them? Uh, oh, Mitch does a fabulous job. Uh, sure, I'm watching. I, their game is paused right now. So <laughs> I have my clipboard out and my stopwatch out, and I, I check it out with my eyes. I'm, uh, you know, I can, I've been doing it a long time, and, you know, I'm uh, – so, yeah, I just do what I usually do. I'll watch probably four games of them. I'll watch four games of uh, Coach Corbin's stuff and uh, – yeah, four games of Brock's team. I mean, I'm familiar with uh, these teams, and, you know, I coached at University of Oregon for a few years, so I've been yelled at by the Beaver fans plenty. I'm looking forward to going back there. Very nice. 8 o'clock Friday night, folks, uh, the Aggies and the Beavers from Oregon State. Coach, congratulations, and I know a lot of NMSU fans are excited about the weekend. We'll look forward to it and uh, keep up uh, all those winning ways. A lot of fun to watch. Hey, thank you so much. Have a great evening. Aggie yeah. up. Thank you. Coach Kirby, folks, joining us here as we continue. 38 past the hour. Come back to wrap up our one of three. Still to come, Kevin Lovell retiring. 
from uh, ABC7. We'll talk to the uh, longtime uh, general manager and one-time sportscaster as Sports Talk continues right here on 600 TSPN El Paso. Any problem whatsoever with Jimmy Butler's three-point attempt to try to take the lead? I know some will say he rushed it, he shouldn't have been so hurt. Listen, he's their best player. He came up big in Game 6 and Game 7. It was a two-point game. If he makes that shot, everybody is singing the praise of Jimmy Butler, and that might have even sent the Heat into the NBA Finals. So, Adrian, as far as I'm concerned, you win with your best, you lose with your best. But at least take a swing with your best player when you have the chance. They did. Butler fell short. And the great comeback attempt by the Heat uh, was not to be in Game 7. Yeah, I had no problem with the shot whatsoever. I I know that one of the things that people have been saying is that uh, Jimmy Butler had a clear path to go up against Al Horford, maybe contest a shot, and then maybe still even get that three-point play. But nonetheless, he was wide open for that three-point attempt. And when he he let it off, actually, I thought it was going in. I I thought Heat were going to go up by one, Celtics maybe take the final attempt, and it's a 50-50 ball game up there as far as who ends up winning winning that game but Boston had that game under wraps they controlled that entire game really all the way up until the fourth quarter and, and maybe you can make an argument that by uh, halftime the heat closed it to make it a respectable margin than it was earlier in this game uh, Boston deserved that win because they simply held on the entire game if they had lost that game oh that, that, my goodness yeah, that would have ta- been a colossal yeah choke. You're, you're talking about one of the biggest collapses in ever yeah in, in Eastern Conference Finals history right there with the Celtics so now you've got Boston Golden State. It was one of those that um, before the season started, I think no one would have predicted this one right here unless you're a Golden State homer and you and you buy into uh, this process that Golden State has really had over the past couple of years. But you might have predicted Boston. That's the one thing. Celtics have been good all year long, and uh, you can see how deep they are. And when it came down to it and push came to shove, uh, they were just you know, better. Than everybody else, they've got a they've got a really good team, and uh, it's not like you got. I know everybody looks at Jason Tatum and says, if uh, you know the the Celtics go the way Tatum goes, but hey, Smart uh, Brown, they've got they've got plenty. Williams, plenty of supporting cast members on that team. Yeah, and, and it's so interesting, Steve, in the era of offense, like we've been experiencing the barrage of three-point attempts that you see. I mean, teams like the Suns, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Milwaukee Bucks, who emphasize offense on their sides, we get the two best defenses in the NBA final right here. Uh, we've got number one in Boston, number two in Golden State, and that's what's so impressive to me is that this was the reason why Golden State got here was not because Steph Curry was shooting the lights out of uh, out of uh, another team or the opponents and stuff like that. It was because of their defense and how they were able to lock down. And it's not Clay Thompson; it is Steph Curry and his defensive abilities. It's not you know Jason Tatum alone. It's the whole Boston Celtics and their way for help defense and how it's been progressing over this playoff so yeah the the two defensive minded teams in Boston and Golden State they're going to be locking up in the NBA finals and I guess it's funny because when you think of the Warriors you don't always think defense because of Steph and Clay Thompson I mean those are shooters those are scores and you usually think of a team that's running it up not a team that's going to lock you down and play great D 
Yeah, and now I'm a little worried when it comes to the defense in the Warriors and their uh, defensive, uh, you know, their interior defense. Like, who's going to be their paint uh, protector? Who's going to be their rim protector? Stuff like that. I also worry about the Warriors when it comes to scoring in the paint because you look at uh, the Dallas Mavericks, they don't have a forward who can block shots. They don't have anybody like Jaron Jackson, uh, you know, and the Memphis Grizzlies and how he was able to block shots in the second round of that series. So, Rob will. Williams. It's become a series, Steve, in the NBA Finals where everybody's going to watch if Robert Williams is healthy game to game for the Celtics. Now, Rob Williams, in their first matchup earlier this year, he was somebody who blocked four shots against Golden State. So I'm looking at him. I'm looking at Grant Williams, Al Horford. Those are the key guys in this series defensively for Boston to stop Golden State in the uh, you know for scoring in the paint. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And as far as Golden State goes defensively, who do you think you're really going to keep an eye on the most when it comes to going up against Boston's main threats. Yeah, it's real interesting, Steve, because this week they're throwing Andre Iguodala back in the mix. He's practicing for the first time, you know, all postseason. You're also getting Gary Payton, the second back. Those two guys as perimeter defenders to guard your two wings in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Those are the keys right there. Otto Porter Jr. will probably open up against Jason Tatum. I expect Clay Thompson to open up against Jalen Brown, but as is series progresses look for those x-factor guys like Andre like of course Andrew Wiggins and uh, Gary Payton the second to be those uh, you know guys who step up in in perimeter defense again uh, we'll be talking a lot about this when the series starts up Thursday night but you just look at at how this team has uh, been able to come through and by the way you know Steph's dropping 26 a game so far in the postseason Clay Thompson's at 19 and then you've got great balance Uh, Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins are right there so it's become like the big four on the offensive side. And let's be honest, Andrew Wiggins is probably playing the best basketball of his career right about now. Yeah, and he did it at the right time. He he uh, poured a lot of threes against the Mavericks, although that last game he looked terrible as the Warriors were closing him out in game 5-0 for 7 from beyond the arc. But if, if Andrew Wiggins hits three-pointers, usually good things happen for Golden State and looked for him to be a key member of this, uh, this NBA Finals. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Draymond Green does against Boston. That's going to be a lot of fun. One of the chief instigators and in how he gets under their skin. Oh, you know he's going to piss a lot of Boston and people off already has and the season the uh, series hasn't even started yet all right when we come back kevin lovell he is uh leaving the television business uh, after four or five decades worth uh here in el paso we'll talk to the general manager of abc7 next as sports talk continues 600 espn el paso start of hour two here on sports talk welcome back everybody he's adrian broadus i'm steve kaplowitz well it's the end of an era That's for sure, because Kevin Lovell is calling it a career, retiring uh, out at uh, our news partners, KVIA-TV, ABC7. And uh, Kevin is with us right now, the uh, longtime GM uh, in our Lubingo studios. Good to see you, and uh, you've been in here before, but this one's a little different because obviously for you, um, mixed emotions, I'm sure, that after all these years, knowing that uh, you're going to be stepping down and uh, going into retirement, uh, it's probably made you reflect a lot uh, since this thing uh, was first really broke uh, back in the end of uh, January. Yeah, no kidding, Steve. I, I got to El Paso as a young man with a baby in December of 1980, and uh, uh, it was, it's been quite a run. I was trying to remember the big fight. Uh, Salvador, Sanchez, 
That was like the first big fight. We had the Sun Bowl. It was Mississippi State and Nebraska. I love that Sun Bowl, even though it wasn't that close of a game. But, I mean, you remember mm-hmm. Don King came to visit shortly thereafter, and, and I did sports for seven years and then migrated to various things, went to San Antonio, came back. I mean, I've been GM for 23 years. You know, I hold two distinctions. 23 years, the longest-running GM in El Paso TV history. Also, I'm the longest-running GM in Texas. Uh, but I was also am the longest-running weekend sportscaster in KBIA and, I believe, El Paso TV history. Seven consecutive years, weekend sportscaster to Fred Albers as sports director. Really? Yes. Um, that is interesting because I – you know what? So I spent seven years doing weekends at – Mm, KDBC be... and KTSM, I'm pretty sure they were all successive. And um, and yet I was never really the number two. I was doing weekends at the time, mm-hmm. but it was just a chance to do it, make a little extra money on the side. And, and, and I don't know how you guys do it because I always decided, and, and remember this was from really 2000 to about 2007, that you spend hours upon hours preparing for a three- to four-minute cast where, you know, Everything could possibly go wrong, usually does go wrong, and yet here, you know, you get three hours on the radio to say whatever you want to say. So my big thing was I would work these eight or nine hour days, come home and be like, wow, I was on the set for maybe six minutes actually talking, and yet I put in a full day's worth of work. And I was, and, and the crazy thing is, I go home wiped out. I'm like, how can I be tired <laughs> after being on the set for such a short amount of time? It, it, always, it always drove me crazy. Well, you have, and you've created in large measure your position here. And it's a credit to you. And Adrian, I was just asking you how many co hosts you've had. And you said that you've been on since July of 97 on Sports Talk. Correct. You've had like seven or eight co-hosts. Eight that I can remember, and I'm sure, and, and that's like regular co-hosts, not people that filled yes. in, but just people that have had any amount of time with me. There's at least eight, maybe more that I'm missing. The one that is comparable to you for us is Hillary Florence. She does our morning news. She's had seven or eight co-anchors, way back to Robert Garcia, who yeah. you worked with, and Robert Olguin and Rick Cabrera, and... And uh, he's, she's just had a multitude of co-anchors, Mauricio Casillas, and he's leaving. And Saul Sines is sliding down, and there's Hillary. So the staying power that you've had, and of course, Gary Warner, Stella Costas had a tremendously long run. Unbelievable. Yeah, Doppler Dave's been there more than 20 years. So we've had some people with long tenure, but very few make it to the finish line in the history of KBI television, we signed on in 1956. I'll be the seventh person to retire and only the second with a news background. That's incredible. <laughs> it, since 1956. 56. And back then it was what? It was KLP, right? Started out with KILT. Interesting. For a short time, owned by Gordon McClendon, okay. who started talk radio That's and right. the top 40 format. He owned KVIA. Then it became KELP. And then KBI, when Stanley Marsh bought us in the 70s, the eccentric Amarillo millionaire who has a Cadillac graveyard outside Amarillo. Unreal. Uh, when you first arrived in 1980, who was the main sportscaster at the time? Bob Nitzberg had just left and was Fred Albers. Okay, so you, so you came starting to work uh, with Fred. With Fred. 
and he preceded me. He was in Amarillo, the news director at that time, who's come back to say goodbye, Bill Tell Zortman, who was our news director at KVIA. He was my previous news director at KVII in Amarillo. He hired me off the street out of college, and then when I came to El Paso, he had a weekend job after he'd hired Fred to be sports director after Nitzberg left, and I became the weekend guy. And you spent seven years at that position, the first time before you left. That's correct. And then was it, was it all with Fred? Yes. He That's, never left, so I never had an opportunity to become sports director because Fred spent about 10 years at KVIA and then spent more time than that at KTSM. What was it like working with Fred? Fred was great, except at the very first, I was sort of, quote, semi-forced upon him by Bill Zortman, who knew me in Amarillo knew Fred. He actually hired Fred ahead of me because Fred had sports experience. Okay. And Nitzberg left, and then Fred slid in, and then he said, okay, I got this guy in Amarillo. And Fred said, well, I want to hire my own. You know, you, you work side by side. So Fred was kind of tough on me at first, but we are the best of friends. We worked many, many years together. We have the utmost in respect for each other, and Fred is a class act. What were these sportscaster wars like in the 80s? Because we know now with social media and ultimately breaking stories and trying to get there first, what it's like now. And I always go back to the old Anchorman movies because whenever you got to see the uh, the two rival TV stations go at it with each other, it was always a lot of fun. Right. But in, in El Paso, in the early to mid-80s, when you first arrived and knowing at that point that really TV news was probably at, at the height of its popularity, yes. although, you know, what, was, what was it like uh, being a sportscaster in, in El Paso, Texas in the early 80s? Well, we had three sportscasters per station. Now there are only two. Right. We used to do the UTEP minor games. And we had the rights in the early 80s and throughout the 80s. So it, it wasn't split up in the streaming and this and that. And we actually, that was the old whack. And Albers did the football shows, and he let me do the Don Haskins show for a couple of years. And I got to travel to Laramie and Provo and San Diego and Honolulu. It was incredible the travel you did as the host of those shows. Oh, that's interesting. So you actually didn't call the play-by-play for television. No. You just hosted a show and still traveled with the team. Right, and provided reports, but at that time you'd have to send them back via satellite or whatever. So mm-hmm. it, we just had more money for more resources de- devoted to sports in that era. Okay. And it was really an amazing time. It sounds like it. Did you ever get to cover a Super Bowl? No, Super Bowls are few and far between. Very few, you know, Ray Sanchez mm-hmm. got the credentials. I don't know. Has anybody else from El Paso ever gotten Television, I don't know. I that's don't a good think qu- so. That's a good question. Um, Have NC- you? Have you ever applied? Um, no, but we are looking at going Radio Row this upcoming year for the Super Bowl because we just did the draft for the first time. So you, you, you might 27 well years, I finally have an in with the NFL. It's, it's taken hard. that long. It yes, is, it's hard. That's the toughest 100%. media ticket to get. Ask Adrian. I mean, we we've talked about that. He's he's how many years you been in this business now altogether? Yeah, this is like six. Okay, six years. He's get he covered he covered the draft. For me, this is almost like my swan song. Twenty seven years, and I'm finally at the NFL draft. I felt almost like it's a career achievement because we never did anything like that before. Right. So that was a lot of fun. And yes, we are planning Radio Row if everything goes well. Being up in Phoenix and getting a chance to cover that uh, come mm. early February. You know, Steve, I got a comment. Your father, Joel, was an outstanding basketball player. For many years, we played basketball at the Jewish Community Center together. Correct. You would come in, 
you and your two brothers, and you were regulars, and we, we, Oscar Lisa would show up, and a whole host of people that are still in the El Paso community. And it was a great time. That's when I was new and, and just starting in my career and, and playing hoops at the JCC on a hot, sweaty uh, afternoon. And he would always, at the time, challenge you for the big stories. He liked it when you would push the envelope yes. a little bit and do something that was a little, I don't want to say risky, but not as, as conservative an approach as others would. And you guys would discuss stories after pickup games, and he would be urging you yes. to, take the, uh, to take the shot and, and go a little extra. Yes, Steve, that was real news. That was real sports. It's an investigative bit. It was very fair, and it was extremely fair what you did with Tim Floyd. That was very fair, what you did. It was a fair representation of the facts. And I liked Tim Floyd. I worked along with Tim Floyd. He was here throughout the 80s with me. But that was Bush League that day. And you handled it professionally. And I'm very proud of you to this day how you handled it. Thanks. I still feel like I lost my cool a little bit, but I appreciate you. A saying little that. bit. So yeah, it was. We got into a pretty good. We got into a pretty good match then. But you know what? It, look, it's crazy to think that that was about six, seven years ago. As long as that's already been, but things happen in this business. And like you said, you do this long enough, there are going to be confrontations. Sometimes they're televised. Not often. Sometimes, most of the times, they're behind closed doors. But it comes with the territory, yeah, right? YouTube follows you everywhere now. And if you ever make a mistake, blunder, say something, it's there. First time you ever got chewed out as a sportscaster, where was it? Oh, I don't. That's that's a tough one. Chewed out, you're talking about by management or out in the field? Don Haskins. Out in the field. Well, Don Haskins was legendary. Uh, he would get upset with any sort of challenging question you would ask. And when you're new to the market, he really unloads on you. And, I, of course, we all love the bear. And he gets when he gets used to you and would, would be accustomed to you, then he would relent somewhat. But one time I went over there. Fred Albers had a question he wanted me to ask. Fred had to go back to do the 10 o'clock sports. And I didn't want to ask it because I knew Haskell was going to blow a stack. And I don't remember the question. All I know is that I said, Coach, Fred wants me to ask you this. And at that moment, Haskins blew his stack, said, well, F Fred. <laughs> In front of the full <laughs> media throng. Yep. And you got to love the bear. We loved him. Oh, did you send that tape, uh, raw tape back oh, to Albers? Still around. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. It's been around. It's still circulating. Lindbergh, Albers, whatever. It's circulating. It's classic. That is classic. That, that's good stuff. <laughs> you know, the hardest part about the last 30 or 40 years of local sports is that as we've transferred to digital, and everything now is uploaded to Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and every other form of social media. A lot of the classic old stuff we've lost. It's hard to keep tape and preserve it and convert it. And all these years, it's a shame because there's been some amazing stories that we just don't have anymore. The first Super Bowl does not exist on videotape. It is not online. It's not on YouTube. There's some highlights. That's right. But you don't have the broadcast. Now... After that, though, YouTube is an incredible invention. And when you think you can go back and look, I believe it was 87, UTEP's basketball win at Arizona. I was there. That's my all-time favorite minor win. Sean uh, Fleming was uh, – Sean Elliott, sorry. Sean Elliott was the star for Arizona. Lou Olson had just gotten there. Yep. And they were so cocky. And I remember going to the pregame news conference, and they were already talking about Iowa. 
and they were asking after they get past UTEP. This is a UTEP team with Tim Hardaway and a collection of stars. Yep. And we beat them on their floor. And that was the last year the NCAA tournament allowed teams to play on the home floor that they occupied. That's right. That's very true. Um, by the way, since you mentioned that the first Super Bowl is not on, uh, not, not recorded, the 1966 National Championship game was never kept. We nope. had the coaches' scouting film, which was synced up with one of the original audio play-by-play uh, play from Kentucky. But the actual national television broadcast of that game is nowhere to be found some uh, 56 years later. Yes, and it really wasn't a national broadcast. I have a good friend who was in Austin at the University of Texas, your, your alma mater. It wasn't shown in Austin. And he told me he literally went down and knocked on the door of a TV station that was could have carried it, and they let him in and watched in the control room. Really, so it did not air in Austin. That's that is fascinating <laughs> to know. I didn't even realize that. So it was it was almost like because it wasn't on one of the main networks. It was like a right. syndicated sports network that was owned by Eddie Einhorn, who once uh, later on owned uh, the White Sox as a partial owner. But you're right, it was a small. Uh, it wasn't one of the right. big ones. And I watched it. I was growing up in Dalhart. And I was a 13-year-old, 12-year-old kid, excuse me, and watched it. I remember. And so I've always had a fascination for that team. Don Haskins went from Dumas to Texas Western, and Dumas is right next to Dalhart. So I'd always followed him as a kid and how well he did in Dumas and Headley and, and Benjamin, little towns that he was there. And then, of course, got to come down here and cover the bear. And I think among my greatest, most memorable achievements is getting to do the only person who did it, the 20th anniversary mm-hmm. special documentary of the reunion of the miners. It's the only time the 66 team all got together. That's After true. that, they had some feuds, and then people began to die, unfortunately. Yep. They were all together, and I did that documentary, Texas Western Takes It All. It's pretty crude, but we talked to everybody. And when Haskins comes out at the end and he shakes everybody's hand and hugs the players, it is one of the most dramatic moments if not the most in El Paso sports history. And I believe that's on YouTube if you find it. it. That is that is actually been uploaded. There are elements, so uh, yes. Yes, yeah, so they did it in two parts or something, right. but it's there. All right. More with Kevin Lovell as we continue here on Sports Talk. If you want to weigh in uh, to the outgoing general manager of KVIA 505-6009, we're getting questions on Twitter. I'll get to those in a moment as well. But first, let's go to Charlie Wan to get this traffic update. Welcome back everybody as we continue Kevin Lovell here with us. Kevin, uh, calling it a career. When is your last day officially, Kevin? Well, it was going to be Wednesday, and I just can't get everything done, so it's going to be Friday. Okay. So you're actually going into June, barely going barely into Barely going of June. into June. There were some advantages for medical care and stuff like that. But, I understand. You know, I could have quit. I mean, I'm 67, which is an extraordinarily old age for a general manager or somebody in television. And I think I told you I can't remember on air or off air. I'm only seventh person in KBI history to retire, and only the second with a news background, the other being Gary Warner. So TV pretty much, I, I, I say it affectionately, chews you up and spits you out. What people do is they end up going to other walks of life. They can become teachers or go into public relations or marketing, or uh, we got Betsy MacArthur became an attorney, Stephanie Tanzanayella's attorney. Yep. Uh, no, excuse me, Betsy MacArthur became a physician. She's in Cincinnati. So she was a former Good Morning El Paso anchor. So uh, people go on to all walks of life, and very seldom do they make it to the finish line. And I am blessed 
that I get to wrap it up on my own accord. 100%. And by the way, you transition from on-air to GM. That is not easy because most people with sales backgrounds go into the general manager role, not necessarily the on-air programming aspect. I remain the only general manager that I'm aware of at the Big Four KVI, uh, Big Four El Paso TV stations with a news background. Remain. Brenda DeAndeSwan is our news director. She's replacing me. She'll be the second. Wow. Everybody else has come from sales. Is Brenda going to be the first ever female general manager no, in El Paso both, Television? Uh, Telemundo and Univision have okay. female general managers now. But for English-speaking broadcast in El Paso, will she be the first? No, because uh, her name escapes me. She was at K-Fox. Teresa, I can't remember. I would know it, but and you get old ages set in. Years ago? Yes, years ago. Probably 15 years ago. Before the days of John Witte or Before after? John Witte. She I preceded gotcha. John Witte. She's okay. still a, a GM in California somewhere. Gotcha. Okay. Um, meanwhile, you come here in 80, you leave in after 87. What year do you come back? Well, I, I did seven years of sports. Time for transition. Yep. I get my master's degree, worked nights and weekends. I went to work for Sanders Wingo, Galvin, Morton Advertising, Bob Wingo. I did advertising for one year, came back to television. Then I started doing news reporting and goofy stories and stuff. Then I went to San Antonio as a reporter for two years, came back to Channel 9. KTSM had completely shifted. Richard Pearson, Dan Krieger, Fred Albers, Jim Gamble, Udell V. Hill, Lebo Sanan. I could go on. The old all KVA went. staff. The whole to KTSM. station, 15 yeah. people or so, went to KTSM with Richard. Mm-hmm. And, KTS, and KVIA was left with Gary Warner and a bunch of people that had not been there that long. It was the biggest shift in El Paso broadcast history. They recruited me from San Antonio, Richard and Dan, to go back to KTSM. And I went back there for a year and a half. Then I got the opportunity to be news director. I was assistant news director at KTSM. Art Olivas gave me the opportunity to be news director at Channel 7. I went back to 7. Five years news director, 23 years general manager. No non-competes in those days where you had to sit out a little bit? You could just well, jump right from one I, to another? I, I, I don't think they had them at that time. Now, in management, you seldom have them. Yeah. In on-air positions, now everybody has them. That's true. Um, you mentioned uh, you know when you were coming back away from sports doing news and goofy. I thought, to be honest, your goofy stories were some of the funniest things I'd ever seen <laughs> because you you came across almost like as a straight man, but putting a comic aspect to your man on the street segments. And although they weren't, they didn't have a long run. Some of the funniest stories we had seen came from you during that short period of time. Well, and and one of those. It, Many people in the community still see me and they say fruitcake. I did a Christmas time fruitcake story in 1990 that we've continued to run in the holiday season every year since. It is totally goofy, but somehow it has some staying power. It probably will pass on, but we're putting together a collection of videos and we've got some elements from the fruitcake. And I did the best deals in El Paso and I would go down to the Big Bun Burger, 99 cent best burger in Texas. I'd go to the used clothes stores. One time they had lots for sale in Horizon City. You could buy a lot for $97. Of course, it had no service of any kind. I literally handed the guy $97, went out there, had a sleeping bag, had a TV that you couldn't plug in. It started raining, almost on cue, and I said, oh, I don't want this. And I went back and gave the guy the $97 back. Oh, my God. That's (laughs) hilarious. I love it. Lots for sale, $97. Uh, Ivan at El Paso Visuals, can you ask Kevin if his famous, infamous fruitcake Christmas story he did for KVIA is still going to run every year, even after he retires? Well, Here's the deal. I went to San Antonio. It took a lull. I wasn't around. I came back to KVIA, 
and somebody said, you know what? We ought to run Lovell's Fruitcake Story. This was uh, when I returned around 1995. And the next year, somebody said, oh, let's, let's not forget. Let, let's run Lovell's Fruitcake. They ran it again in like 96. Every year since, I've made it absolutely certain if there's one mandate I'm going to issue, we're going to run a fruitcake story. And so I've said, okay, when is a fruitcake? Is it Christmas Eve? Christmas Day is the day before. I want to gather my kids around the campfire. It's all a joke, but we've continued to run it. Will it continue? Probably not. Uh, that would be up to the news regime, but I doubt it. Um, if not, do you think it might eventually go to YouTube so that way it can last it forever? It's on so, so that it's way, on if YouTube. somebody wants to watch it, they can always just check it out on YouTube it's and kind of see it there. It's That's there. good. It'll live for it'll live forever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Caesar Cubillo said, "Ice Cubillos tweets the show at 600 ESPN El Paso." Salvador Sanchez versus Juan Laporte in the Coliseum. I'm old enough to remember when they were Channel 13, so he was yes. excited about some of those old throwback days that you were mentioning when you first came on. Uh, I've got some people that have come back from my last week. Just as today, uh, uh, John Fawcett, legendary weather the singing oh, yeah. weatherman, he's back, and a, and a host of others. Uh, but, boy, we go back to – and I've been there. Not many people arrive at a TV station and, 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 and 42 years later leave it. And so I, I kind of weave together all these various generations. And I go back to the 90s, early uh, 2000s. Unbelievable talent. We had incredible talent then. We're talking, you know, Lou Romano has since moved on. I could go on and Laura Pauka, who's back to visit. She was a phenomenal anchor of this. Betsy McCarthy. Rob Elgus, who's in Chicago. Laura Ken- Pauka came back for this? She's back. Really? She's yes, she is. Oh, She's that's here. very She'll cool. She'll be at the party. I haven't said hi to her yet. I haven't seen I- Laura Pauka in 20-something well, years. Well, you'll see her tomorrow. Very nice. Uh, tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Paul Marmalejo asked this question. Hey, Cap, ask Kevin why El Paso stopped covering golf via newspaper and hard copy. How would Kevin know that if what it's newspaper? What do you newspaper? mean via newspaper or hard I copy? I think, like, why El Paso uh, stopped covering local golf. Well, we have two sportscasters. In the old days, we had three, so one guy could go out and shoot golf all afternoon. Golf's like the hardest sport to shoot because you've got to follow them. But they used to have routinely the El Paso Grand Slam, and we used to cover it. A lot, and I don't hear reference to it as much anymore. Of course, the Times is sort of faded in their coverage. They've only got a couple of sports guys. So I wish, I wish there could provide, we could provide greater coverage. Paul, I do remember Marty Slater. That was another part of his tweet uh, from uh, the Coronado days. I used to see Marty Slater at all the UTEP games. He would come to every UTEP basketball game because he sat in our section. So that's a, a good memory from the old days. Jojo Ortiz, is there a TV copy of UTEP upset over number 12 Houston in 2009 in football? I cannot find one. I've not seen one. Okay. Good questions coming in. I like this. We bring you on the most random questions ever. Start arriving here on the uh, 600 <laughs> ESPN El Paso Twitter inbox. That's good. I hey. did cover the minor miracle. UTEP's incredible victory over BYU. The defending national champions considered the greatest upset in college basket foot, college football history. You were I there. there. I was there. And uh, UTEP won one game that year with Bill Young. One game, there were 1-11. and 11. They played the last game of the year in Australia against Wyoming, which was winless, and Wyoming beat UTEP. How do you beat the defending national champion and don't win another game all year? I don't know. And then the next year, Bob Stoll arrives. Yes. And then the rest is history, well, right? Well, I think. He came in 86. Charlie and he was Bailey, here. didn't he segue in there? Uh, no, Bailey came in after. So Bailey that showed up as a coordinator for David Lee, who eventually took right. over the program Stoll once. Stoll came in. Exactly. You're right. All right. More with Kevin Lovell as we continue 31 pass, but first Adrian has Sports Center next.
thirty-three past the hour right now. Kevin Lovell with us. Uh, Twenty-three years as general manager for uh, KVIA, and funny enough, um, he arrived nearly twenty years before that in El Paso. So that's interesting when you start to think about really. You know, you became GM right before the uh, millennium, and then um, you know you hold it all these years. But realistically, you arrived in nineteen eighty. So with the exception of that brief uh, trip over to uh, San Antonio and leaving. You were here almost, you've been here almost well, 40 years when you really look Throughout, at it. I really yeah. have been, and of course I followed very closely. Now the one year I was gone was the year that New Mexico State and UTEP both made the Sweet 16. Oh, you, you were gone what in 92, What a horrible huh? year to miss. Yeah, I was gone in 92. Yeah, that's a tough, that is a tough year to miss. Yes. That, that is. Um, you look at television today compared to TV when you first came on board. Besides the obvious, which is social media, what are some of the biggest changes now that you see in terms of the business compared to uh, what it was years ago? Well, social media, it's also digital. I mean, it's like updating the web, it's, it's, which is not technically social media, but it's just constant. You have all these deadlines, and plus you have your sportscasts and everything. But it's everybody who does it, at least at KVIA, there's a couple of things. Is one is it's very challenging unto itself, and number two, you've got to deal with Kevin Lovell, and everybody that has been through the Kevin Lovell boot camp of sportscasters. Because I never made it to sports director, I was the weekend guy, and I busted my tail, and I worked hard, and I expect all of my week. And you can Nate Ryan, who's heading off to Kins TV in San Antonio, he's phenomenally talented. Paul Sakala, who's coming back to visit this week, he's very in nice. Tucson. Luke Lydon is in Phoenix. Uh, we have uh, Raul Martinez, Boston. He's I mean, coming back too, or is he staying in Boston? He couldn't come. Okay. okay he's busy well, he's, with oh, yeah, Celtics. He's got, he's got a little thing with the Celtics He's right got now. a little That's bit right. with Celtics. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I've gotten the best and brightest. They've helped get them ready. Because if they can work for Kevin Lovell here, they can do it anywhere. It's a good point. Um, you look at the news now. My biggest question is this, cause I, and I liken this to my show as well, okay? By the time we get on the air, Everybody pretty much knows what we're going to talk about because it's already broken on social media. Do you find that of your average viewer, many of them now, thanks to social media, already know the majority of your newscasts before they take the air because they're following stories breaking in real time and they're able to keep track of a lot of the things that are making headlines locally? Yes, in particular in sports. In sports, we don't do much national sports coverage anymore. We do, we're covering the America's softball team, you know, going to the Final Four. Yeah. And the local, because there's no other outlet other than the local outlets, there's a jillion outlets for the national sports. So we don't cover that as much. And then we also do almost all local news for local. And, again, that's the difference between Google and Facebook and ABC or NBC or Fox or whatever. We provide, as do you. You provide local content, and it's critical because there's no other source except traditional media, and there's a lot of wannabes in social media that are posting, but they're not, their mission's not to balance. It's not fairness. It's not necessarily even avoid lawsuits. We are the bastions of carrying journalism forward, and Steve, thank you for doing it every day on Sports Talk. No, thank you. And, and that takes me to another point. Now that you're retiring, are you going to be living on Twitter? Is that how you're going to be getting your news these days? <laughs> what are you going to do to follow everything? I, I, I waged a personal um, protest 
and I don't do any social media. I have no Facebook page. I don't do Twitter. So I have to get it from other sources. And it was just, I was late in my career. I didn't have to do it. I would if I was younger. And I get it from many other sources. And it's just, it's overload. Would you like a Kevin Lovell parody Twitter account? <laughs> I don't care. I won't be checking it. <laughs> well, we'll let you know. We'll clue you in. I'll just send you text with a screenshot grabs of all the great oh, stuff, work. and we can yeah. and we can e- do this. Email, so, text, yes. whatever. That's so you good. invite. Okay. So if somebody out there is listening and you want to come up with something good, a Kevin Lovell parody Twitter account <laughs> will be right up here, which is good because you're old school, which means you're going to. Listen to shows like this. Watch local newscasts. That's how you want to continue to get your your news. Steve, I have survived much longer than most people do in local broadcast television. As I told you, very few retire. And in particular as a general manager and even as a weekend sportscaster. I have survived the same way you have survived. You have to be passionate. You have to be focused. And you have to stay glued in all of the time. You have to follow sports constantly. You have to know what's going on. you got to be thinking. So even if it's Sunday, yeah. you're still checking. You're following. You're re- that Sunday, 6 a.m., more than likely, I'm up watching our local news. 6 a.m. on Sunday. Nobody, you know, There's others that watch it, but I'm saying you have to be dialed in. Not that many people have that focus and drive that somehow I possess, and I just never let it go. I... I always came to work believing that if I didn't produce, it would be my last day on the job. That's good. That's a good secret to your success and your longevity all these years. What about uh, Brenda Deonda Swan? She will be your successor. You've worked with her for a long time. Some people in this community already know Brenda because they've seen her around town. But if you've never met her, what can you tell us about the uh, incoming GM? Well, it's very nice that you ask about Brenda. And I am so happy that KVIA is staying internal. You know, we have had dominant ratings and very strong. We may be stronger than we've ever been. So I'm going out on a high. And I'm not trying to brag. We just have had the team. And somehow we connect with the El Paso viewing public. And there's a lot of viewers that watch a lot of newscasts, but we've done very well. Brenda will help, I believe, keep KBI the what the way that it's been and will keep on keeping on. She's very different than me. She's more reserved. She's more quiet. She's not as boisterous. She's more reserved. Uh, she's probably easier to deal with in the newsroom because and but she's got polish. She is extraordinarily eloquent. And she has been under me, for better or for worse, since 1998. And she is a young woman. She's becoming general manager at the same age that I became general manager, which was like 46 or 7. She's in the same time frame. She started as a UTEP student running weekend audio in 1998. So she's been under me, working with me all these years. So she knows how we tick. That's pretty good. Uh, Look into your crystal ball. Tell me over the next three to five years for local television broadcast, what are some of the things to expect to see as far as innovations go? How will these television stations like KVIA and others continue to evolve here in the foreseeable future? And that is the challenge because we've seen newspapers suffer. Radio stations have all the satellite. The competition's immense. The streaming is everywhere. Even traditional networks now, you're going to have streaming of NFL football games by Amazon. So the competition will never be the same. What we have to do is we have to stay local. That's how you survive 
because there are so many sources elsewhere and there are a core number of people that want local news and sports and weather and they will go to find it and so we have to to continue to deliver good quality local content okay you're going to be staying in el paso aren't you no where are you moving to my wife wants to move to where one of our two daughters lives and i have two daughters that my wife raised very um well and they're both doctors one's in california one's in atlanta california is too expensive Taxes and forest fire and whatever else. So we're not going to California, so we plan to move to Atlanta. I do not want to leave El Paso. I love El Paso. I will be back often to visit. We don't have a house yet, so we don't have, there's nothing certain about it. It could take months. We've been looking for several months. Okay. Hard to find. But I'll still have the pulse here. And, and I, this is my home. I've been here more than 40 years. But I lose every argument when, I, when my wife says, so you don't want to be near one of your children. <laughs> it's a tough. Do, you have, do you have grandkids too? I have one grandkid. and In California one, or in that's Georgia? The one, that's the tricky part. That one's in California. Oh, yeah. But the, one, the, the, the daughter in Georgia uh, is hoping for and planning to have children. Good for you. Get started. Ah, so. That'd be nice. And you could be there for the whole thing. But that I'll would be, be back fun. here. This is, I'm, my wife, that's the one thing. That was the trade. The trade was that I could travel, and, I, and she's given me freedom all these years to go to sporting events, cross country. Oh, I, I love hiking, camping. I love UTEP, New Mexico State. Texas. I, Texas Longhorns, yep. as do you. Uh, I, 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 uh, grown to love the locomotive chihuahuas, you know, Diablos, whatever. It's all great. Final question, okay? When people think of the name Kevin Lovell for years to come, how do you want to be remembered in terms of your uh, contributions to and your legacy here in television media? I think I'll be remembered. I don't know how I want to be. I think I'll be remembered for just uh, sort of my personality. Just kick ass, just nonstop, just level, you know, and I like to have fun. I like to laugh. You know, some people are wired and they're so serious. I'm wired, but I love to have a good time and have fun. So I, I think I'll be remembered as, as a guy that just just gets after it. Good for you. Best of luck in the oh, uh, Steve, future. Thank and, you. Uh, hey, appreciate I'll, you joining us. I'll be us listening. I'll be checking in. I'll be calling. Don't know about Twitter, but I'll be there. Well, first off, we've got an app. You you yes. can you can punch it up, yes. listen to the show. I don't care what part of the country you live in or the world. You'll be able to hear, hear us all the time. I will, time. and I do. Good. I expect to hear from you plenty in the future. Oh, thanks, Steve. Congratulations. You guys. betcha. Kevin Lovell, folks, 43 passed. Come back with plenty more. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, nine in front of six as we continue here on Sports Talk. We're about to have uh, three members of the UTIP Athletic Department uh, joining us here for our final hour. I'm excited about that because uh, we have a lot to talk about with their 915 campaign that they launched today. In fact, uh, coming up to begin our 6 o'clock hour, we will have um, John Washington, who is now the Associate Athletic Director for Fan Engagement and Digital Strategy along with Jamie Mondragon, the director of marketing for UTEP, and Jeff Darby, who is a senior associate athletic director as well. So all three will be with us to talk about the 915 campaign here into our final hour of the show. And lo and behold, UTEP has arrived, which is great. We'll get a chance to talk to um, 
This is interesting. I didn't realize this, but we have three J's that are all with us here right now. It just dawned on me. Jeff, John, and Jamie. How about that, Adrian? The triple three, J. The triple J's will be with us here to begin our final hour of the show. So that's going to be exciting. Plus, uh, we also have uh, your movie review. I was going to try to get to that now, but Adrian, I, I want—I always like to give you time, and I, I don't know. I will say this before I get to your movie review. I did see the new Top Gun over the weekend, and that movie is absolutely terrific. If you like the first one, you will love the sequel. Very rarely do you uh, see a movie 37 years after the original and think that they got it right. But this one is absolutely uh, terrific. And I can understand why it's getting such good reviews because um, they, they, did, they did everything right in terms of this movie. And it's just a great ride for about two and a half hours. Yeah, people are calling it already the best movie of the year. So, I mean, people have, the hyperbole has come out with Top Gun, the sequel. And I, I'm excited to watch it myself when I get a chance. How many bananas would you, would you rate it, Steve, uh, out of 10? I, I, I think this is a serious, like, a, a 9 out of 10 wow. for me. It, it's that good. Okay, I'm going to have to watch good. it this week. Have you seen the original? Yeah, of course, of course. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely want to compare the two because uh, I think it's going to be interesting Steve, just to watch him come back after all mm-hmm. this time. I well, let's just put it this way. Um, you know, Tom Cruise isn't isn't uh, a spring chicken anymore. Now he's probably about sixty, maybe sixty or so. And and you watch him in this movie, and um, yeah, he he looks good. He does. Obviously, all the plastic surgery uh, that he's had all these years has really done him good because he looks uh, he looks like he could still you know he, he looks like Maverick. He does. So that's the secret: pa- plastic surgery. Okay. Well, I, I mean, you. listen, it, it's and, and I'm sure he works out enough because yeah. uh, there is a, a scene where he's out there playing uh, beach football with the guys, and he looks he, he, his body looks more like he's about 25, not 60. Okay, so. I'm watching it this week for yeah. sure. There you go. You need to. All right, we'll have Adrian's movie review coming up uh, following. Our members of the UTEP Athletic Department, they're with us next as Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Starting our final hour here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. All right, we've got a trio of UTEP Athletics uh, personalities with us. Two we're going to meet for the first time. One we've known almost as long as we've known Kevin Lovell. Well, not that long, but, I mean, it's been a while. Uh, Jeff Darby's back with us. He is the Senior Associate Athletic Director for External Relations. Jeff, good to see you. Good to see you, too, Steve. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here, Jeff. We also have uh, with us for the first time John Washington. He is the Associate Athletic Director for Fan Engagement and Digital Strategy. Welcome aboard, John. Appreciate it, Steve. Nice to be here. Good to have you here. And Jamie Mondragon is with us, the Director of Marketing for UTEP Athletics. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Great. Thanks for having us today. Well, I'm happy you're all here today because today is all about the 915, right? This was the official launch day of the 915 campaign. Pain. All right, who wants to take this first question about how long the uh, 915 campaign has been in the works until we uh, got a chance to uh, see it for the first time today? Sure, I can take this one. Uh, it's been in the works since about February, um, but really started getting into the nitty-gritty probably about two months ago. So doing photo shoots, getting all the posters and stuff like that done. I got you. Well, first off, February still is, you know, about, what, three months ago when you first came up with that. Who's, whose idea was it? Are we, are we not going to actually go with uh, who gets credit for this, uh, for this campaign? <laughs> We all definitely worked as a team to pull this off. Good answer, John. Good answer. <laughs> team campaign. 
is uh, is really what, what this, this is all about. Uh, Jeff, you've been a part of so many branding campaigns over the years. If you think about since you've been at UTEP, all the different campaigns. Does this one seem a little different because of the 915 and, and really the local focus that we, we're seeing this time around? I, th- I think so, but also just because of the number of layers that we've got with the campaign and and the the preparation that's been involved. I mean, like like John said, we've been we've been talking about this for two or three months, and and it, it started with Jim Center coming to us and saying, "I really want to sell out a football game in the Sun Bowl." And he actually, he actually wanted to sell out a football game late last season. And then we lost like three or four in a row, and realized it probably wasn't going to happen. But but we feel like the you know, the the time is right to. To sell out a game this year because the team had such a great season, we got so many people coming back from that team. There's a lot more. There's kind of a renewed excitement around UTEP athletics. But you know, John and Jamie came aboard in in January, and 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 they they really you know came up with the nine one five idea. But I think it's brilliant. I mean, because because this is the nine one five is UTEP, you know, and and um, with all you know, all all due respects to the Chihuahuas and the locomotive, we're the team that's been around the longest. We've been here for over 100 years. This is our area code, and and um, we want to take a little bit of ownership with it. We think we think we can, and and hopefully the fans will get behind the campaign and come do something that we haven't done in 14 years and sell out the Sun Bowl. No, no, it's hard to believe it's been what uh, 08 since the, the last uh, sellout for the Sun Bowl. But you said it best. You said there's a lot of layers to this. The sellout uh, of of the for the North Texas game is one layer for this, but uh, the merchandise, the logo. The helmets, the just the whole campaign in general, the the commercial which we saw for the first time today, the promotional video. There really is a, a lot to it, guys. And and Jamie, I'll I'll ask you as the director of marketing, a title that has always been uh, a popular one uh, at UTEP over the years. Um, y- you know, you come into a position starting in January. How are you ultimately able to? kind of hit the ground running with John, Jeff, and your whole team, knowing that uh, you grew up in the area, in Albuquerque, and ultimately you know this part of the country because this is where you know, you've know you lived most of your life. Yeah, definitely. That uh, you know helped us in hitting the ground running, You know, knowing the area, knowing how people think and everything, and uh, just really being able to know how people and what people want to see. Uh, so that really helped out. And just my team. The team here is great. You know, everything that we need from them, they they just don't stop. It's it's awesome to see, and they're eager to get going on everything. Five months you both have been here so far. What have you each learned over the five months that you've been in El Paso? And, uh, Jamie, since you just answered, I'll, I'll start with you, then we'll go with John. Um, the people here are passionate. They're passionate about teams. They want to see success. They want to see, you know, the teams really go out and compete and win. And it's great, that passion that we have here as fans. So I'm excited to just capture it and just continue going. Okay. I would say just community and family. Just El Paso is very community and family oriented. So I think just seeing that is kind of helped us come up with this campaign, honestly, because we see how much the community embraces things and how, how families are a huge part of El Paso. Now, John, you've got a, you've got a job that was just invented for you. If you think about <laughs> it, this is a title that has never been part of UTEP until you arrived. And that is fan engagement and digital strategy. So we all know that connecting with the the fan base these days, digital strategy is a huge part of that. So, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. And as you can launch a campaign today with new graphics, new logos, and uh, really uh, just a fresh new everything, how you try to incorporate that and get people excited. 
Yeah, I mean, just like Jeff was saying, we tried to make it all encompassing digitally too. So having new uh, logos for our headers, having new headers, uh, making sure that we have graphics and videos for every aspect of what we're doing. So from the food to the helmet, um, just making sure that we have everything kind of represented online and digitally as well as in the press conference. Um, and then things are different on different platforms. So making sure that we're hitting our demographics on our separate platforms and making sure we're doing stuff that caters to them. Why is social media such a big thing for you all? Because we understand it here being in this business uh, on Sports Talk, but for our listeners out there, why is social media a great way to connect with uh, you know a larger audience? Well, I mean, everything from recruiting to just getting out to the fans, it's, it's, the, it's the new way things are happening. I mean, I'm sure you guys have noticed how many recruits are posting about um, where they're trying to go or where they're whittling down their selections to. So making sure that we have a really strong presence digitally not only gets to our recruits, but also to our fans and our younger fans too. And those families that I was talking about, making sure that we hit those demographics, um, that's just the best way to do it and get to those people. When you say fan engagement, I'm also thinking students because that's a huge, huge uh, lifeline for the program. And if you can figure out the way to get the students going, which everybody's tried before you, but hopefully you're able to find uh, the secret success and, and connect with them, that can also make a world of difference, can it? Absolutely, yeah. We're working on some some different programs with our students. We're going to have some rewards programs. Uh, we have some actual content catered to our students. Uh, so we'll be out all summer at um, at orientations, just trying to get some of those new students and get them into the fold right off the bat. Now, I'm fascinated by your background, John, because you played football for New Mexico. Yes. And then after that, uh, you worked in their marketing department for about five, six years. So yes. you know that program uh, you know, inside and out. And we've always felt that there's a lot of similarities between the University of New Mexico and UTEP, their rivals, whether uh, New Mexico wants to admit it or not, from the old <laughs> whack days when they were partners and was just legendary games. But you tell me, from the time you left the football team, went on board as the marketing manager, and spent all those years at, at UNM, what were some of the biggest things you learned as you were connecting with the, uh, the fan base and the students then? Um, I think it's just similar here, just making sure that you're hitting the demographics that really are going to be the ones that respond. So obviously there's older fan bases that you still need to cater to, but also you want to try to bring in alumni and students and some of those younger fan bases as well. So making sure that you have a good presence digitally, but also making sure that you're not forgetting the other people that got you there, your your core fan group. So I think just making sure that you're catering to those different groups um, and making sure that everybody feels like they're welcome and wanting to and wanted by us to be here. Jeff, aren't you impressed in the fact that uh, you know Danny Garcia did it? He transitioned from football to uh, athletic department, and he's uh, you know really uh, done a terrific job working up, going up the ranks now to his title. And now you've got John, almost the same type of uh, transition from the field to uh, to the athletic department, and wanting to stay in college athletics. Absolutely, I think the thing that's great about John and Jamie is they both they know this region too, and they kind of they have a, they have an understanding of what what is needed here and they've worked together for a long time they worked together at new mexico they worked together at lamar and now they're working together here at utep so they they think alike i think on a lot of maybe not on everything but they think alike on a lot of things and they know know what needs to be done and and um they've done a really good job building a team and 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 our we've got some marketing interns that have gotten some great direction from them and have become a lot more invested in 
in our athletic department and then our digital strategy team we've had to build from scratch and we brought in Joey and uh, and, and Paul Salvador and or Sandoval and they've they've done a great job for us and and um, so uh, they've they've really brought a lot to the table and we're just so happy to have them here. Well, now uh, again, guys, you know nine one five. There's so many great things about this, and one of my favorite things is price because. Whether it's $9.15, which is the price for a football ticket to go watch North Texas right now, or $91.50, which is the price of a season ticket for men's basketball, uh, there has been a lot of fans over the years saying that prices are just too expensive for them and they can't afford to go. Well, now you've, you've alleviated that. You've priced a ticket that is so low where it's even lower than going to a movie or from a season ticket standpoint, if you average them out per basketball game, it's about four or five bucks a game. So um, that I'm sure has been a goal because if you have things like that to work with, it's got to make your job easier, especially marketing those price points and really getting those out to the community. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the big things that we were kind of told when we got here. Um, That was a lot of feedback that we got from the fans is, we need some cheaper ticket prices. So I think we made sure that we implemented something that makes everybody happy so we're not devaluing our season ticket holders, but at the same time we can have a price point that everybody can feel comfortable with in spending, especially, like, again, if you're trying to buy four or five for the whole family, uh, you can still afford to come to a game. Jamie, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the price point is going to be a huge uh, thing for us, and our ticket office has done a great job in assisting us and making sure that this plan all comes together. And we're just excited to have this price point and get as many fans, families, and just everybody from the community out to these games. So the easiest way, first off, let's just say you want to take advantage of that $9 ticket right now for uh, North Texas. You can go on the website, buy them today. You'll have them digitally. You'll be all set. You won't even have to worry about it. And next thing you know, you've uh, you've got your tickets for the North Texas game, which, again, is the goal is a sellout, guys. So sooner you get it, the better. So then you don't have to worry, and you've already got that part taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as long as you have that ticket, you're good to go. And, you know, the quicker you get them, they're going to be flying off the, you know, the chart pretty quickly here. So just get your tickets, come out, be proud and be loud. And what about the gear? That's also important because part of the fun when it comes to anything, and and Jeff mentioned Chihuahuas, he mentioned Locomotive and, and some of the sports around here, and UTEP is definitely a big part of it, is merch. Fans want merch. My nine-year-old wants merch. He doesn't even know what it means. He's like, hey, Dad, can we go get some merch? I'm like, what are you talking about? And yet, that's what kids know. So everybody knows that merchandise is a huge part of the whole branding experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll let Jeff, because me and Jeff really have been working on it. That's probably been the hardest aspect of it. Go ahead, Jeff. It's on its its way, Steve. That's all I can tell you. I can't tell you when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen soon. And um, we worked with CLC on the on the logos for this this campaign. It took it took a little while going back and forth with them. We were kind of tweaking some things. We finally got it ironed out here, maybe about a month ago, yeah. I guess. But so now they're ready to get into the market. And then now now you deal obviously with the uh, the supply shortages. With you know we're still coming out of COVID and all that kind of stuff. So that's why you go local, so, Jeff. You go local. You find all these companies that can but, hammer it out quickly yeah. and get it done for you, and then you're good to go. And we and we we will if if we can. But they have to be licensed vendors. Is the is the first thing so we got to make sure they get on board with CLC but but um but yeah we're gonna we're working with them we want to see we want to see sweatshirts and caps and t-shirts and 
Yeah. I want to. I want to. There tie will be merch for the first game. Five logo on it, but 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 yeah, there's going to be all kinds of stuff coming. Hopefully, a lot of stuff in in here before uh, the first football game, and you'll see more stuff coming throughout the year. Good. Questions are coming in on Twitter. We'll get to those in a moment. To more with UTEP Athletics. But first, let's go to Charlie One and get our first traffic update at the 6 o'clock hour. Back here on Sports Talk 20 past the hour. Continuing right now with Senior Associate Athletic Director, External Relations, Jeff Darby. Um, Associate Athletic Director for Fan Engagement and Digital Strategy, John Washington. And Director of Marketing for UTEP Athletics, uh, Jamie Mondragon, here as we continue on the program. Uh, tweets coming in. 600 ESPN El Paso. Hey, by the way, these three couldn't care less what you have to say. So take your best shot at them. Jeff Darby said during the break, bring it on. I'm ready for you. I didn't say we could care less about what you have to say, though. I said, well, I said we'll be happy to answer all your, your questions. Well, but, I mean, you understand what we I do, mean. We it's do like, care. I mean, I, I, I go on minor digs. You know, I, I, do, I go on. Do you on, post under an assumed name? Huh? You, uh-huh. I do not. I do not post. But there I, have I been go rumors there, for I go years. there and read what they have to say. There you know, been, they've, they've got some good feedback. Hang on, now that you're now that you're on the hot seat, there have been rumors for years that you actually do post on minor digs under an assumed name. <laughs> I think I posted as UTIP SID like 15 years ago, like once or twice. But that's the only time I've ever posted. But you don't have so. like an alter ego I that don't. just comes out no. out of the blue and just takes shots. No, no, because. Oh. That would be great. If it could ever get traced back to me, I'm not sure that would be a good thing for me. Hey, so. Just just have a burner email account. <laughs> you could do that. You have a you have a burner Twitter account? I don't. Okay. No. All right. Uh, no. any advice for Jeff uh, here, Adrian? You know, I'm I'm very fascinated by this. You should definitely do it, Jeff. If Jim Center had one, I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't blame him. Like I, you know, burners are okay. I, I'm a, I'm pro burner accounts. Listen, I survived Floyd. You survived, Floyd. <laughs> we both Therefore, did. we both have something in common nice. when it yep. comes to that, right? That's the best. That's the best way I could put it to you, Jeff. All right, other tweets coming in right now. Let's see here. Ah, Esteban. Just last week, I took a look at the UTEP Athletic Staff Directory. Eighty percent of the staff is a director of some sort, and twenty percent worker bees. Is it really 80-20, Jeff? I don't know. I'm going to look that up tomorrow and see if his numbers are accurate. But we, we do have a lot of directors, but but Good. I'm not sure if it's 80%. It may be more like 60-40. Or... I would also say don't let the titles fool you because um, even though I may be director, Jamie may be a director, trust me, we're still in the trances with everybody else doing the same stuff. So. I believe that, John. <laughs> I, I really do. Uh, Poncho tweets the show. I went to football and basketball games last year and noticed game programs are a thing of the past. How about a QR code where we can access a digital game program? Hey, yeah, we already got that going. So uh, at the beginning of the game, pregame, and then the first time out and sprinkled throughout the game, we have QR codes that go up on the video board. You just simply scan, and uh, you're good to go for the game. So we do have them. Uh, we'll keep, um, keep, keep going for the season, and uh, just keep your eyes out for them. So that's think, all you got to do. It's on I the think video last board? year too. We put them uh, at the concession stands, mm-hmm. the QR code. So we'll we'll try to do that again this year. So if you if you can't ever find it on the video board, just go to one of the concession stands and scan it there. Yeah, Poncho, go ahead, take that. All right, good job, guys. That was a good answer. I like that question, um, and I like that answer. This comes from uh, at Leo underscore Miners fan. Speaking of merch, you know I have to ask: When can we buy jerseys? 
better quality jerseys, not the kind they have sold at Walmart. No offense. Although, those are okay, but I'd like to have an opportunity to buy a better quality one. Now, let me say this. Walmart's got some good jerseys. They got Cowboys jerseys that are just fine. And uh, same with Target. They've had UTEP jerseys over the years, especially for kids. So what's the deal with the jerseys, guys? Well, I, I know this. I know Nick Gonzalez is our new guy at the, the bookstore, and he wants to sell jerseys too. So if we, if we could possibly make it happen, he's going to make it happen. But we do have some restrictions with Nike too in terms of what, what we can make available, what, what, what can go through them, what can go through us. So – we, 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 we understand you're looking for jerseys. I want to buy a jersey. I, I would definitely buy one. I'm sure these guys would buy one too. But we're going to try to make that happen, and um, we'll see what we got to do to, to make it a reality. Is it harder at a school like UTEP, which is a mid-major, um, using a shade of orange that is not the most common color around in the spectrum versus, let's say, burnt orange at Texas and some of the other programs like U of A where you know the – Fan interest is through the roof, so they can just produce massive amounts of jerseys and sell them like hotcakes. Is it more difficult at UTEP because of the situation here and having to go through you know, more hurdles through, let's say, Nike or your providers, BSN, whoever it is for this, as opposed to some of the other big ones? I know the orange is definitely a problem compared to the, the blue and the white. Uh, I know we talked to commercial screen printing downtown, and, and you know they – they always try to get as they try to you know get as many orange t-shirts as they can because they're hard to find. So, but but yeah, I think it's it's definitely easier to do the the navy and the white than is do the orange. The I guess we call it kind of the Tennessee orange or whatever whatever the, like the official name of that orange is. Yeah. So that's why the garage sale was so great. You could buy jerseys and actually get stuff that never gets sold at the bookstore. That's a big deal. Yeah, and it went fast, and we'll, we definitely learned some things from that garage sale and how what we'll do differently next time. But we're going to have more of those garage sales. I don't know if we're going to have one next year because we, we got we got rid of so much product this one. But every two or three years, we'll definitely see another garage sale and give people the opportunity to get that stuff. Good. Interesting questions. Keep them coming in, um, and we'll be more than happy to address those with the with the uh, three J's that are with us right now, the, the J squad uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. Uh, Jamie, let's get back to marketing for just a second. Um, Tell me a little bit about some of the things that could soon become incorporated come this upcoming season and in future seasons that you're excited about as you try and, and take some of the things that you've done in the past and, and bring those here to UTEP. Yeah, so we're actually working heavily with our corporate sponsorship uh, partners right now. Uh, we're giving them a list of ideas of you know sponsorships to sell. That's in-game elements that are going to be fun and exciting and engaging for our fans. Uh, we also have something coming up that's going to be with our intro video along with some in-game aspects. So stay tuned for that. We're going to kind of leave it at that for that one. And uh, it's just going to be a fun time. We're going to even get the students involved. We're working, like we said, on the rewards program. So you know they're going to have opportunities to do things in-game and win prizes throughout that as well. So I think people need to realize when we talk about Director of Marketing, which is your title at UTEP, a lot of your day-to-day stuff is the game experience and how things work. Because sometimes people will say, oh man, UTEP's not marketing this well enough around the town. Who's the marketing director? They got to do a better job than that. But realistically, your uh, day-to-day responsibilities, a lot of it is in-game entertainment and the things you do to try to keep people engaged during the sporting events. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say my job is first to get the fans to the game and then two to entertain them. You know, yeah, they came for the football game, but what else can we add into that? Uh, football, basketball, volleyball, whatever that is, let's get them to the game, but then let's show them a great time during the game. So, yeah, my job is all-encompassing around whatever event is happening. Do you feel like there's a ton of potential in terms of things you can bring to the table that ultimately just makes the fan experience that much better? There's so much right now out on the market, and we're just excited to you know get to partner with some of them, and we're we're really looking forward to the season with some of our partners. And John, you work uh, pretty much hand in hand with Jamie. You both got hired around the same time. So the two of you, uh, I feel like you're like the yin to the yang, right? You guys complement each other really well and, and pretty much always on the same page when it comes to all the things you do together. Yeah, absolutely. We work hand in hand on the in-game experience as well as just promoting our, our games and getting people there. So yeah, we work very closely together with all of that. One of the biggest goals is a sellout for that first game on August 27th. Uh, we had some listeners earlier say that there's no way that you all could get close to a, a sellout. But I, I beg to differ because, A, uh, UTEP had 34,000-plus at Houston Baptist at that home and op- home opener in 2019. And, B, these ticket prices are great. How, how much are you all emphasizing these ticket prices when it comes to this home opener right here? Yeah, I mean, they're a huge part of it. Um, they're on sale right now until tomorrow afternoon uh, at 9.15. And then after that, they're actually going to be QR codes throughout the city at certain businesses that we're partners with. So we're starting out with GCU and Jack in the Box. So people can go to those businesses and scan the QR code, and they'll still get that 9.15 pricing through the entire summer. So we're trying to make it as accessible as possible um, to make sure that everybody has a chance to get that that pricing. And then we'll have other ticket specials like family packs and things like that. We're probably going to do some some gear and ticket prices together so people can get a shirt and and a ticket together. So we'll have some other stuff that comes up, but we want to make it as accessible as possible for people to come to the game. You know, group tickets are going to be a big part of it, Adrian, to try to get to that 45,000. And we, we, we saw, we saw GCU step up and and purchased 5,000 group tickets today. So that's kind of the first domino to fall there. And hopefully other businesses will see what they're doing and want to get on board too. I, you know, you, you say that people will say we can't get to 45,000. I can tell you this. We're like, we're like over 40% of the way there right now. Wow. That's in May. We are so so we we believe we can do it, and we and we're gonna do it, and we're you know and so so um we want everybody else and everybody in El Paso to believe in it too and go go get your tickets and get on board because it's gonna be a, an awesome atmosphere on August twenty seventh. I feel like you took the words out of my mouth because group ticket sales is the is the that's the key because if you can get all these businesses buying group tickets not just for North North Texas but throughout the season really that gets you such a great head start. If the team is playing well and winning, we already know what El Paso is like as a community when things are going well. You were here long enough uh, back when Mike Price was winning those first couple of years where they were putting 50000 in that in the Sun Bowl, and it was the toughest ticket to get in town. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we feel like if we can win that first game, if we can get if we can pack the stadium and win that first game, we've got a chance to really build some momentum and New Mexico State coming here, and we feel like New Mexico is a game on the road that we can win, and we got Boise State coming here. So there's the opportunity to really get off to a fast start, but we really need the fans to get behind this team early in the year and, and help us build that momentum. More uh, as we continue right now with uh, Jeff, John, and Jamie, but before we get back to more questions on Twitter, let's go to Adrian and get one last bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, we're back right now with uh, Jamie Mondragon, uh, John Washington, Jeff Darby here on Sports Talk. I'm happy we're talking UTEP with you and not Chicago sports because, oh, it's been a rough, rough year. Horrible. Yeah, you're not kidding. It's uh, The good news is things have to get better, right? 
We got the Chicago Sky, I guess, the defending WNBA champions, right? That's that's good. That that's, is that's, good. That's about it, though. Well, that's is there a USFL Chicago team? Maybe the Blitz. I, are they back? Maybe. I don't know. Is there? I mean, have you watched any USFL? No. All right. Just 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 check in. Hey, by the way, uh, since we're on the subject of Chicago, uh, best Chicago pizza. I like Lou Malnati's. That's my personal favorite. But you, I'm not. I'm not big on the deep dish Chicago pizza because it's just one slice and you're just done. You're yeah. so, you're so full. I like I like the thin crust, but I like Lou Malnati's. Lou Malnati's good. thin crust. Yeah. All right. Can you order that stuff like you can the frozen uh, deep dish, or you just uh, get it when you're in Chicago? I just get it when I'm in Chicago, but I don't know if you can get it online or not. I got you. All right. Had to ask. I figured that's always uh, Portillo's is my 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 spot too for the hot dogs and the Italian, Italian beef. beef and the burgers. Yeah, Portillo's yeah. is awesome. Portillo's. I've I've done that uh, both. That's that's good. All right. Uh, that's excellent. Now, back to the uh, discussion at hand uh, as we continue. Let's see here. Questions coming in. Ah, yes. Okay. Um, let's see. I had one on. Ah, yes. Paul Marmalejo, misdirector of marketing. I think uh, he means you, Jamie. Um, who are you targeting in other sports, um, meaning other than football or basketball, and, and trying to go after people for the, let's say, uh, volleyball, soccer, softball, track and field, and, you know, those, who, who are you looking for those, for those sports? Yeah, so I will say that 915 campaign is not just for football. It's for all sports across the board, which is really exciting. So it's going to be the same kind of thing. Families, you know, younger people, but we're also going to remember our core group of fans. You know, our core group that has always been there for us. We want to make sure that they're having a great time, too, because they're the ones that are going to stay loyal through, you know, the thick and thin. So it's going to be really just the community of El Paso. We're going to have 915 games for each and every one of our sports. Uh, You know, volleyball is on September 1st against New Mexico, and then soccer's on September 15th, which is 915 uh, against FIU. So it's just going to be an all out team effort from all of our sports and it's going to be a great events to go to absolutely right now listen when teams win it helps sell itself it really does we saw that with volleyball last year and you could see with football the interest going into this season men's basketball winning 20 games and what that was like towards the end of the year but the challenge always isn't when teams are winning it's when they're not winning because then you got to figure out okay how can we still get enough interest to put butts in the seats and make utep the greatest show to go to, win or loss. And that's it's a little tougher to do it than, let's say, uh, a Chihuahuas game because a lot of fans go to a baseball game, they don't remember who wins or who loses. They're just going because to them it's just a fun night out. So I heard the words affordable family fun mentioned at the press conference today, which is exactly what they mentioned when they brought AAA baseball back to El Paso years ago. That was the selling point, affordable family fun. So how can UTEP use that same model, guys. And although everybody wants UTEP to win, that's the end result. A little different than maybe AAA baseball where you're playing 150 games. Football, you have 12 football games and like 28 basketball games. So winning is very important. But how do you make that experience so family fun where, man, the next thing you want to think about is when can we go back and see another game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the whole plan with doing stuff like this 915 campaign. We want to make it about more than just the game. We want to make it about the whole city, an event for the entire city to come to and be proud of. So throughout the season, we'll have different promotions for for every game. And the point is to try to make it to make it that kind of atmosphere like a, a, a baseball team and have different stuff to make it more about just the game. We can't really rely on wins and losses. Um, so we have to make it a really fun experience for everybody. The challenge for us, Steve, is that we want 
we need to provide an experience that people are going to walk away saying I had a really good time whether the team won or lost. I mean, exactly. like, like you said, we want we want to win want to win the game, but we also want them to come and okay, parking was easy and getting into the stadium was easy and getting my concessions was easy and the food was good and and you know the the video board stuff was really cool and the stuff on the field was awesome and all this you know that that's that's what you want to deliver and and you know hopefully the just winning the game is the icing on the cake but you want people to have a great experience here's a tough question for you jeff poncho wants to know how about more dead beach beer stands that's well, a, I mean, that's you yeah. get it. You'll get it at the party patio. I know that you can get Dead Beach down there, but we will work with Sodexo. You know, Sodexo is our campus food provider, so everything's got to go through them. But we can work with Sodexo to see if we can provide Dead Beach in the concourse as well. By the way, uh, part of the uh, fun today was the new food items that were introduced, and it sounds to me like fans are going to enjoy uh, a lot of the what we call those premium food items that'll be at uh, UTEP football games uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, it was good. We all, we all got to sample them at the, the press conference, and they're gonna they're gonna have uh, they're all kind of nine one five themed items. There's a Sun City Burger. There's a uh, El Paso. I don't know if it's Gyro or Giro or Hero or I don't. I never how to how to freaking pronounce it. But how do you pronounce it, Steve? Giro, Gyro, Hero. There's different versions of it. Just depends on which one you want to go with today. Which what, what okay. are you in the mood for? You in the mood for Gyro, Hero. Giro, Giro, there you go. It's a Giro. That's fine. By the way, nachos, we... and then and then and then if you go to the premium levels, there could be even more stuff. We're gonna have like special dessert every game, and you know GCU Terrace and club level and all that. But but uh, it's good stuff. We had we got to, I got to try the uh, the burger today, and the uh, the bananas strawberry Foster uh, French toast was pretty pretty darn good too. Do you think we'll ever see food like that for basketball games, like we will for football? I think they they would like to. Um, it's just the challenge that they have. I know Sodexo is they don't have a kitchen on site, so they have to be able to bring in all the all the food ahead of time, and have it prepared. So, so um, I think you're probably going to see the um, the burger and the and the gyro and the uh, and the and the nachos at the basketball games because I think that's it's a bit easier for them to, to produce before the game starts. God, wouldn't it be great if Sodexo could just build a kitchen at the Haskins Center and just make things so much easier to start cooking on the site? For sure, and that's something we we we're looking to try to do down the road. You know, with, with some renovations to the Sun Bowl and get it, you know, have them have their own kitchen in there. Nice. Now, if fans want more information on the nine one five campaign, what do they need to do? Just go to the website. Just go to utepminers dot com. Utepminers dot com slash nine one five, and that'll have everything about the whole campaign: tickets, concessions, everything. Excellent. We got to talk about the caravans a little bit before we go here. Let's do that because that's going to start at the outlet shops here in a few weeks, right? Correct. Yeah, so uh, we're kicking it off with the outlet shops uh, Father's Day weekend, and um, it's going to be a great time. We're going to have coaches out there. We're going to have cheer and uh, Pater Pete. We're going to be having some of our limited edition posters to give away. It's going to be an opportunity uh, to get your nine fifteen uh, tickets because obviously those will go off sale tomorrow at midnight or at nine fifteen. Sorry, excuse me. And uh, that'll be another opportunity to get those special price tickets and just come out and have a good time for Father's Day weekend. I know Dad will enjoy it being around the football guys and stuff like that. Uh, we'll also head to Showtime. We'll head to um, Camp Cohen Water Parks, Yellow Vista, and the Chihuahuas game. So we. We are partnering with the Chihuahuas. We're gonna have a great time out there too. Is there gonna be like a giant semi coming around with a nine one five logo on it? What 
are we talking about as far as this caravan goes? Or is everybody just going to be driving in their own vehicles? What do we have? We're going to be going in our own vehicles, but we're going to have a really big blowout kind of party-esque kind of theme there. So, you know, a lot going on, and it's going to be a great time. Hey, Jeff, if one of the uh, trucking companies out there is listening right now, they want to donate a big, uh, you know... Uh, we'll take it. Yeah, I was going to say, big rig. You can deck it out and uh, make that the caravan vehicle. Absolutely. You'll be okay with That'd that? That'd be cool. All right. So listen up. If you're out there and you own a trucking company, uh, hey, just uh, give us a ring. We'll put you in touch with Jeff and uh, and Jamie and John. Next thing you know, we'll have a, a nice big caravan vehicle out there. Hey, you got to ask. If you don't, if you don't ask, you We're never get. Put right? John in, in charge of driving that rig. <laughs> that sounds that sounds good. You ever driven an eighteen wheeler? I definitely have not. <laughs> no, that's all right. Neither have any of us in this room. So that'll be pretty good. All right. Uh, by the way, John, when are you going to get on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I couldn't. We couldn't find your handle, John. <laughs> what is your handle on Twitter? I think it's Big John. Big, just Big John. Yeah. How'd you look into that handle? That's like the most. I mean, everybody wants a handle like Big John on Twitter. How'd you pull that? Big off? John Wash. That's my handle. Big John Wash. Yeah. All right, that's we couldn't. We couldn't find you before. <laughs> even UTEP couldn't find you. They tagged you as just John Washington. They, they couldn't even figure out your own handle. So at least we learned something here today. Thanks. Come back and see us. Great to see you all, and uh, thanks for coming in and talking nine one five with us today. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us. Go Miners. We'll come back, wrap it up next with Adrian's movie review. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso.